On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and this week I chatted to Joe Brawley and started off by asking him after Mayo's impressive win over Roscommon yesterday whether he'd change his opinion on Stephen Rochford's men, having previously said that their All-Ireland chances were dead. Well, I mean, you have to weigh it up against Roscommon being so one-dimensional mm. and lacking in pace and, you know, it was extremely easy for Mayo. And obviously when you're talking about Mayo, you're judging them by the highest standards not by the standards of Ruscommon or, you know, mm. teams like that. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that are very important. You know, um, Harrison going to fullback. Um, you've now got an aggressive man-marking cornerback who is, a, you know, is taking his man on in man-to-man combat. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be six foot three or four to play at fullback. I mean, Philly McMahon has handled Aidan O'Shea. Um, Michael Murphy has been handled by Kerry and uh, Tyrone with two guys who weren't big famously handled the Twin Towers Tommy Walsh and Kieran Donnelly but what you have got to do is be constantly aggressive yeah. you know get stuck into them don't let them move you around don't let them dictate and I thought a huge difference I mean obviously the big difference yesterday was you know was that they annihilated Ross Commons kickouts they pushed up and um, I thought also that because the halfback line was more confident in their fullback, that they were happy to attack. But mm. the big thing was that platform. I mean, they knocked over eight out of Russ Commons' first ten kickouts. They knocked them over, and in the modern game, you know, that's just an invitation to destroy the opposition. I mean, so Mayo were able to push up, attack through. They didn't particularly have to bother about defending. And the other big feature of it was that Russ Common, as we identified the last day in the Sunday game were very, very static. Two forwards up front. And in the first game, they were able to kick the ball to the full forward who was able to get the ball in front of his man all the time and then lay it off. And that gave them relief and got them into the game. But against, uh, with Harrison at fullback, that didn't happen yesterday. And they just, I mean, it was an annihilation. But from a Mayo but perspective, with the with the running halfbacks that you mentioned earlier, Kerry seemed troubled by that sort, that sort of running style against Galway. So, and against Cork. Well, they will, and I mean, obviously, the crucial line with me was their half back line. And the very important thing is that they don't have to be worrying about going back and covering a fullback mm. who they're concerned about. And, you know, 
also when I was coming past the Mayo changing room yesterday after the game um, Lee Keegan came over to say hello and honestly it's impossible to keep a smile off your face when you're talking to Lee Keegan did you ever meet him? I've never met him no I think he, he might just be the most confident person I've ever met in fact it wouldn't <laughs> occur to him it wouldn't occur to him to be lacking him and I said to him what the hell happened he said oh I got, I got an infection in my foot cellulitis so I'm on penicillin blah 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 you see it and I said Jesus Lee, you know, it never ceases to surprise me how small you are. You know, you look so much bigger in the field. Oh, he says, oh, I know, I'm not big, you know, I'm only five foot ten. He says, but I've no bother with the big men. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, and, uh, you think of the way he knocked over Sean Cavan the last year and, you know, what he did to, to Big Enda Smith. And, uh, I mean, he's, or to Dermot Connolly, who's much bigger. And, uh, I mean, he was just bouncing on his toes, you know. And Who do you think he might man-mark against Kerry? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because the Kerry, the Kerry half-forward line, I mean, um, Donegal was just hard-working, but he's not actually pacey. Mm. Um, uh, Big Buckley's not pacey at all. And, you know, that's a worry for Kerry. And I suppose Ganey is not going to be a particular concern as a scoring threat. And his position must be under pressure to Stephen O'Brien, who seems to me to be a superior all-around footballer. But, um, I mean, the, the the best possible situation for... See, the thing about Lee is that if you give him a man-marking job... I mean, to me, I mean, as you know, I batted strongly for him as player of the year last year on the nighttime programme after the all final. But to me, he's, you know, one of the sort of three or four truly brilliant Gaelic footballers. And of course he's a leader. I think he's the best footballer to ever play for Mayo. It's a big and call. The thing, I don't think it really is because, you know, he, he's, he, he's completely at home on the big days because I don't think it would occur to him to be nervous. Mm. And he's entirely instinctive and he can, he can man-mark without sacrificing his forward duties. I mean, he, he demolished Sean Kavanagh against Toronto last year and won the game with the two epic scores that he got. Mm. He demolished Dermot Connolly in both All-Ireland, you know, in both games in the final. And was well to me, he was well on the way to winning the All-Ireland replay for Mayo until the black card. Um, so, you know, I, 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 they, I mean, it doesn't really matter who he marks, but, but he will most definitely play in the half-back line and attack. And I, I just think that I still think that they need to be playing Keith Higgins in the half forward line mm. and roving back, roving back, and then attacking forward. But they look much more secure already. I mean, the big imponderable with Mayo is whether or not they're going to get anything out of Aidan O'Shea. I mean, he came out of the changing room yesterday when I was talking to Lee, and Lee is just tremendous fun. You know, I mean, I cannot tell you he's absolutely infectious. I said to him, I said, "Who's who's the fastest player in the?" On the team, you know, who's the fastest? He says, oh, me, me, says and Paddy Durkin. <laughs> me and Paddy Durkin, you know. And, but just uh, on Aidan O'Shea, Joe, he's, he's probably having one of his more complete years in pretty much every game bar the drawn game against Ross uh, Common. He's well, been very good. You know, I mean, I think of, I think of Colm Rourke's, you know, immortal line, you know, the big man for the small occasion. And, you know, it's not, it's no good. It's no good doing, you know, playing well in patches against Derry and playing well in patches against Roscommon. And, you know, I mean, whenever he went into a more advanced role yesterday, you know, that's where he's dangerous. And I said to him, actually, when he came out of the change room, I said, um, 
I said, all right, kiddo, and, blah, and he's a huge man, you know, and I grabbed him by the arms because he's so big, you know, he's absolute monster. And uh, uh, I was teasing him about his baseball hat, but I was saying to him, like, man, you know, you going to full forward, you know, that's that's the missing, that's the missing ingredient here, you know, you can be a wrecking ball in there, you smoke. And he says, oh, it's not my position. He says, it's not my position. Hmm. You know, and that's, and that's a big issue because he doesn't have the pace against teams like Dublin or Kerry to play around the middle or to play at centre-half forward. And he's worried about that lack of pace, which is why last year you saw in the All-Ireland series against Dublin where his influence was negligible, that he continually drifted over to take sidelines, etc., and to kick them where he ought to have been himself. Whereas if you're playing a f- full forward, you know, means you're not. So that's why Kerry played Kieran Donaghy in there. He roves out a bit, okay, but he's mostly in full forward. You know, he doesn't have the pace to play out there. He doesn't have the pace to chase back. It's exactly the same with him. It seems like they got spooked about he's, playing. And he's a target man. Like, I mean, isn't it, well, isn't it McMahon, the most obvious thing in the world? Yeah, it looks obvious, but when he in 2015 in particular, in those two games against Dublin, the semi-final stage, Philly McMahon, who you mentioned, did a very good job on him. And I think they, they haven't really played him inside as much since then. Well, I mean, it was... It was a combination, you know. They did they, they did jump all over him, and they were very aggressive. And you know, I mean, Aiden's sort of it's he, he just his personality is not aggressive. He's just not a very combative person. And whereas that sort of meet and drink to Lee Keegan or to Bretton Harrison or to Paddy Durkin, you know, um, or to Killian O'Connor, who's extremely aggressive, you know, and Killian takes no nonsense from anybody. The guy that they need to get something out of in there is Aiden. Mm. You know they don't they don't need a lot. They're they're very close, but you know if Michael Murphy had performed that way for Donegal during their heyday, you know they wouldn't have won an All Ireland. Mm. You know instead instead he took it on in the edge of the square in the All Ireland final, having done the donkey work all year. He went to the edge of the square and he got his one six one seven, and you know Aiden's well capable of opening things up for Mayo in there and making all the difference in the world because you can see how easily you know you can see what's going to happen is that Andy Moran and Killian are going to struggle for pace against these top teams because there's no chaff left now I mean and you look at the sheer pace of Dublin the pace and power of Tyrone um, the pace of you know I mean I know that Kerry have some vulnerabilities in there but they have piles of pace like piles are running in them and uh Although I do think that the best possible semi-final for me is Kerry. Mm. The big issue being, you know, how are they going to deal with the aerial terror which is going to rain down on them? Because Donaghy is, it was quite clear that Kerry rehearsed their game plan for Mio in the first half of the quarter-final. And that's why they didn't do it in the second half because Eamon Fitzmaurice is from the Couture School. <laughs> I thought, here, that's enough of that. You know, five, four high balls... For you know, a devastating return from the high balls, that's enough, boys. And then he called Star Shore early into the second half. I, I, I'd, like so, to get, Jay, I'd like to get your opinion as well on just the kind of the, the quarterfinal weekend as a whole, because obviously they had that great hurling match sandwich in between the, uh, the the replay and the and the double header. And it was just, as you kind of alluded to on Sunday in your column, it was just such a disappointing weekend. Three turkey shoots. This is meant to be a showcase for Gaelic football. And it was just, yeah, and, and, and it doesn't bode well for the Super 8s and we'll have 12 quarterfinal games instead of just four. Yeah, I mean, look, the Super 8s is a disgrace. And at a time whenever everyone in the GA is crying out for equality and people are saying, look, you know, we need to, we need to have a long-term strategy. You know, what we've come up with is something that that promotes elitism. 
And again, you know, the because there's a vacuum in strategy, what we're seeing now is that commerce is filling that vacuum. And so it's good, you know, it's good for... Um, it's gonna it's gonna reap money all right, the super rates, but it's got nothing to do with twenty four counties. And 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 in any event, there's some people who scrape into the super rates who who regret bitterly that they ever got in there because they're gonna get absolute hammerings. And what 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 we're seeing all the time now is proof day by day that um that the system is entirely dysfunctional. You know, and again, we must start again with create a proper year for the clubs because the clubs and truth are really buckling under the pressure now. And I see it all the time. Players saying, I'm going to America. No, I'm going to play soccer instead. Like, what's the point? You know, there's no proper schedule of games. The club's no longer, you know, the linchpin of the association. So it works well at underage level, but then you have massive dropout because people just get disaffected. And every senior team, bar a few, are struggling to get players out. And this is a big problem. And meanwhile, on the other hand, it's been presented as the hierarchy as everything's never been so healthy, you know, because they'll get two full houses now for the All Ireland football semi-finals and final, and that's really the championship this year. Good, you can you can still have your provincial championships, but you can do everything in a much more truncated way. And we need a tiered system. I mean, like I was talking to some of the Dublin players on Saturday night. Um, they were out just you know having a few, and. One of the themes that was being discussed was they're real down to earth lads. Like, was look, you know, how ridiculous is the current system? I mean, one of them said to me, he said, like, halfway through the Monaghan match, he said, like, you know, we're totally into the game, totally immersed in it. But halfway through, I looked up and I saw the crowds leaving in their droves. And he says, like, it's, it's depressing. He said, like, what's the point in going out and beating teams by 20 points? Well, yeah, and this, this, is, this is what we're seeing and this is what everybody's talking about. But yet, hierarchy just doesn't know yeah, yeah. the current hierarchy doesn't know how to take action yeah the farcical situation of them announcing a full house at halftime of Dublin Monaghan when I'd say 60% of the fans were up the M1 back you know to Northern Ireland yeah well that's right and everybody knew that that was going to happen you know you're we, sort of there and we can't even get eight teams capable of like you we, no. it's a super four no. you know you need a proper you need a proper tiered system like any other system in the world, a proper tiered system where people are at a level where they compete, and it's good. That that's you've got self-respect then, and you've got your esteem, and you're not being humiliated. And I mean, these are awful humiliations, you know. And people, you know, people, oh, Jesus, you know, what is the point of this? And uh, and yet, you know, the the solution to this is the super eights. I mean, and it's a and it's discussed in a purely commercial way, and it's only going to apply to a few. It's only going to be a benefit to a handful of counties. Like we could have penciled in these four semi-finalists from you know back in January almost. I the only one that was letting the side down was Mayo because they were just so poor consistently, and you know scraping past Derry like, you know they I mean it was a, it was a it was a brilliant brilliant goal that saved them that day, mm. and you know scraping past Derry at home you know um, struggling against Clare scraping past Cork when Cork should have won by about nine or ten points. And then, and then performing so poorly the last day against Roscommon. I mean, how are you to judge a team other than the way that it's performing? Mm. But but yesterday, with a big fill-up for their confidence, they've started to get things right. I mean, they've still got those fundamental attack problems that have deviled them. And, um, you know, again, all eyes will be on Big Aiden to deliver because we all know he's got the potential and he's just got to somehow find that courage within himself you know, to 
you know, if you could, if you could, if you could do a sort of a transfusion from Lee Keegan to Big Aiden, I mean, can you imagine the Gaelic footballer that you would have? <laughs> Uh, because that kid again, I mean, and, and funny enough, even after the match yesterday, I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, you know, this is this is a, a mirage. What's happened today with me? But when I met Lee outside the changing room and soaked up soaked up ten minutes of Lee, I came away thinking, you know, these boys could actually they could actually, you know, perform extremely well against Kerry, you know, because the guy is just. He's indefatigable, you know, and if you've got a presence like that in the team, you can win games. I, I just also, so I, sorry, but just before we, we go, I'd like to get your opinion on Tyrone as well, because that Tyrone Dublin semi-finals is equally tantalising. I know you were kind of praising Colm Kavanagh on, on Twitter for, you know, he, he got a lot of plaudits over the weekend. Will he be yeah, a, a key man again against Dublin, do you think? Well, I mean, with Tyrone, it's very much the system there. system's heavily weighted in favour of defence, and the question is, you know, whether that highly defensive system um, with with the the sort of their counter attacking, which isn't as practiced or deadly as Donegal under McGuinness, but but which is becoming more effective. Whether that's going to be sufficient to beat a team with the overall balance of the Dubs, and you know I think they're very close. The big issue, big issue that I can see, and it was really. Vivid when you watch the two games back to back because you could see the Monaghan blanket defence and how Dublin treated that, and the Tyrone blanket defence and how Armagh treated it, which is the same way as all four up opponents that Tyrone have faced this year have treated it, which is to stay on the outside of it and be quite unsure as to how to deal with it, and therefore Tyrone completely dictating. So with Dublin, what they'll do differently, um, which is they'll flood they'll flood that blanket defence. They'll they'll flood up man to man on them when they win possession. And so one of the big advantages that a blanket defence like Tyrone's has is when you turn over possession, you can run the ball out mm. with relative freedom. So the dubs don't let you do that. The other thing that the dubs do is they keep two halfbacks in and around the middle third. And their job is to specific, is specifically to pick up any loose runners who come out of the blanket defence who aren't already being marked. And they go straight to them and harass them. So that Tyrone are going to find they're under a huge amount of pressure in their blanket defence. The other thing that the Dubs do, of course, is that they're the best team I've seen at taking on the blanket defence, and they've worked religiously on that since their Donegal shock in 2014, so which is why they've got the Irish basketball coach in. And the very first attack against Monaghan, um, Dublin moved the ball to the left side of the Monaghan blanket, and then three of them attacked, like in a squadron, Mm. from an angle at the diagonal and laid the ball bing, bing, bing to each other and broke through for a score. The other thing that the Dubs will do is they'll be very patient. So their last score before half time, they held the ball for two minutes and seven seconds before they released big James McCarthy. For do you score. like watching that style so, of attack? Well, I mean, you've got to, you know, what do you do? I mean, Armas sort of sat back off the blanket and were just picked off slowly but surely. And then, of course, what happens in the final quarter, you've given up by then, and then Tyrone just knocked them over completely then. It was just, they were scoring for fun. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you like it. You know, you've got to, Tyrone are going to bring it. And as for Dublin to defuse it, the big issue for me is going to be, obviously, there are those tactical issues. And again, Tyrone don't have those sorts of players that they had during the noughties who can score magnificent scores because Dublin do defend very well and will most definitely um, be more defensive than usual against Tyrone. Yeah. Um, but the big issue for me is this, 
and it's the big issue that anyone has when they're facing this Dublin team. Colin Cooper said to me, like he said, the big problem in this Dublin team is that they ignore you. They play as if you're not there, which is what all the best teams do. And, you know, they're obviously they're totally confident. They're totally relaxed in themselves. And they have four All-Irelands in six years, so they're, they're going to play and they're going to concentrate on the game. The big issue is whether the younger Tyrone players in particular can withstand the pressure because this is going to be a huge occasion I mean it's going to be monumental the, before throwing the hair will be standing on the back of your head and you know it will feel like a monumental occasion and it's a massive occasion for young players and it's the first time that Toronto are going to have been really really tested with this new sort of patented system and um, that's the big issue for Toronto because if they can withstand that and if they can play with ferocity for 70 minutes I do believe that there's no way that the Dublin players can have the desire that they once had. And whilst you can have loads of pace all over the field and do all the right things and stick to the system and all of those things, all of the great advantages the Dubs have and keep at it and keep at it and be relentless. There is a point, there does come a point where a team that's got greater desire and that can stifle your attacking system you know, can succeed. So I think, you know, I mean, I, I do think that the Dubs are better placed to win the game because they've just got more all around and a better balance and they under they understand how to deal with the blanket. But if Tyrone can throw everything at this, they can win it. Brilliant, Joe. Thanks very much. Pleasure. That's it for the throwing this week. We'll be back next Monday to review all the weekend's action. Until then, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie. So until next Monday, thanks for listening and goodbye.